the last episode, we spoke to Jeff Jones, the CEO of the $1.3 billion tech business whose revenue went to zero following COVID-19's assault on public gatherings. As purely a live and ticketing business, tech had 100% exposure to the virus that very few people saw coming. Today, we speak to Jaden Comerford, the CEO and founder of Unified Music Group. Unified are a management company, record label, agency, merchandising business, and promoter. And they are as neutral as they can be, with artists signed to all the major record companies, working with almost all the major promoters, and as far as success is concerned, well, there wouldn't be a chart or major festival lineup in the country that didn't have some form of unified representation. They are everywhere, and they are truly independent. It is for this reason Unified can be viewed as somewhat of a barometer for the music industry as a whole. So it's important for everyone in this industry to understand, what is it like at Unified right now? How do they see the future? What are they planning for? I am Luke Gerges for the Industry Observer, and this is Fear at the Top. Jadon, welcome. Thanks, Luke. How are you doing today? Good. Where, where do we find you at the moment? Uh, I'm in my place in Fitzroy, uh, sitting at my kitchen table while Rachel, my wife, is uh, working in our home office. Um, so yeah, feeling good. And tell me how you're doing. What, what's happened since COVID hit? How are you feeling? Well, I guess it was coming for a while. Um, I was in America mid-February, um, which was the, you know, the beginning of wearing a mask on a plane, um, where probably more than half of people looking at you thinking you were odd, um, to you know, then coming back to Australia at the sort of end of February and sort of seeing the, the news evolve and develop. Um, and then, yeah, getting to that sort of date around, it's probably around March 13, I think, where everything really got real. Uh, we shut our offices, we started working from home. And yeah, I think reality really hit hard really quickly for a lot of people, uh, especially once events started to get canceled and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I think there's an element of the stages of grief um, or some correlation to that, but we're at the point now where, you know, we've, we've well and truly, you know, affixed our oxygen masks and sort of figured out, you know, how we need to survive and move forward. Um, but now it's about, yeah, really being as, uh, as specific and as intentional as possible in uncertain times. Cause I think ultimately there's a lot of ways we can look at this, but the, the reality is that the future is still so uncertain. So um, all in all, our business is in a pretty good spot. Personally, um, I'm very uh, optimistic about the future. Uh, I'm very much enjoying this time uh, to grow the business in a sense of development uh, and grow myself uh, and learn from these challenges. Um, but yeah, it's there's, there's no way... No other way of putting it. It's, it's, it's not a good time. It's a terrible time for the planet. A lot of people are, are losing their lives and their health and, and, their, and their, their means of living, but uh, a lot of good can come from this. Um, we just need to be prepared to, to stick through it. You mentioned that March 13 date, and that week was almost a war on, on companies. Um, did you have any significant revenue that was 100% there and suddenly gone. I spoke to some managers, they'd lost hundreds of thousands in that week. We as a, we as a company at the Bragg Median almost nearly, almost lost nearly a million dollars. Did you have a key number or a key amount of um, revenue that just got absolutely wiped in that week? Uh, I don't have a specific number that I have on me, but you know, from 
because I just actually checked that was Friday the 13th. So that was, you know, what I think we might one day refer to as COVID Friday. Um, but, you know, I feel like from that moment onwards, we started to delete, um, you know, millions of dollars um, in, in artists revenue, um, which in some way or another equates to, or w- would equate to revenue for the company. So, you know, with a management company with over 30 clients plus the agency plus everything else we do with the merchandise and that, yeah, we were just watching millions and millions of dollars disappear, um, you know, uh, you know, pretty much overnight. And is management the biggest revenue source for Unified Music Group? Uh, our two main revenue lines are recorded music and artist management. And of the artist management, is the biggest revenue live? 100%, yes. So that's taken the biggest hit then. What what is What about the record label? Have you seen any... Um, any like impact positive or negative? Um, so the negative impact, you know, touring is a huge driver for, for recorded music. Um, especially like in the, the heavy music side of things, but it, but in anything, you know, it, it, it goes without saying someone's listening to a record more if they're on their way to the gig or if they're going to the gig next week. So that marketing driver is gone. Um, but you know, there's more people sitting in front of devices and, having an opportunity to connect with music more than ever. So um, there's definitely, you know, we're seeing lots of different press at the moment. I, I think there's no doubt that some consumption is being lost because we're losing um, people aren't at gyms, people aren't in transit and people aren't, or cafes and restaurants aren't playing music. So that's a hit, but all in all, I'm pr- quite confident about the recording music business. Uh, but yeah, the management business is definitely challenged with the loss of live revenue, but you know, with the strength of streaming um, and with a lot of our artists, the strength of airplay, there's still a lot of royalty streams that are flowing through that will continue to flow through. So we still very much have a management business with or without live touring. And in terms of your overheads as a company, is it um, weighted towards management or recording? Uh, there's staff and There's more staff in the management company than the record company, yes. So has there been any impacts then, anyone being stood down or salary reductions or anything like that? Across, uh, there's been no changes in recorded music. Um, in management, there's been some very minor changes to some admin staff hours, um, most correlating to just not having the work to do. Um, but those businesses have been mostly untouched, yes. And I guess like pre-COVID-19, I know that Unified were actually very active looking to hire new management and managers um, grow that management side of the business. Has that been put on hold now? Is that still an, uh, something you're looking at for to hire new managers? Where, where is that? Where has COVID left that part? Um, well, we had a management call this morning. Uh, so we do a weekly uh, management. Uh, we call it the Wednesday workshop. Uh, and basically it's, a, uh, it's almost like our own internal video podcast and we sort of present topics and guest speakers and all that sort of stuff. We should get you to come on one time actually. Um, but yeah, there was 18 of us on that call this morning. So that's the entire management staff for Unified from uh, LA, Sydney and Melbourne. Um, we didn't have any live conversations going with any new managers um, prior to this all happening. Um, we will most likely hire more managers one day, but yeah, we're definitely not in the market right now for hiring. Like we had a few jobs live across the group. Um, when this all went down, but we've paused all hiring um, just with such uncertain times. It's just not the right time 
uh, for us to be hiring. And what about from a um, acquisition point of view? Are you considering any companies that might need support and either equity investment or or ownership? Um, is there any is is that an opportunity for Unified at the moment, or is that as well on pause? Uh, possibly. You know, we're not. You know, we're an independent company, as you said at the start. You know, it's fully funded by myself, and we've had plenty of success. Um, and we, you know, we run it, we run a really strong business and that's why we're not having to make too many changes. Um, we're a business that has built cash reserves, uh, reinvested profits. Um, so we're in a position where we can afford to, you know, sort of stick it out, but that's more the strategy. Um, like I'm more interested in keeping cash in the business right now so we can extend our runway as long as possible through uncertain times like um, COVID Friday with the Friday 13th, I stopped paying myself, for example. Um, and I'm not, I've deleted my salary from the business for the foreseeable future because I'd rather keep that cash in the business to sustain its operation. So for us going out and buying, I guess what a corporate company would probably call distressed assets, you know, that's not, that's n- unlikely to be our strategy. If, if we come across uh, someone or some business through this, that there's a strategic alliance that might fit together. Um, and there's some excitement around working together. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, I'm definitely not going to go and prey on people that can't afford to pay their bills and try to buy them up. I'd much rather invest this time and money in making our business stronger. And what about, um, new talent? Are you looking to again, um, sign new artists to the recording business or the management business, or is that too kind of on hold? No, no, that's, that's, that's business as usual. There's, um, there's record deals being negotiated, publishing deals, management contracts. Yeah. Um, that is nothing's changed in that regard. And how is the recorded side of the business being affected in terms of the, you know, retail decline in retail and, you know, are you selling CDs and vinyl still or what's happening there? It's, it's a really tricky one. You know, we operate as a global label, so we have staff in, in the US, in the UK, and in Australia. Um, so we, pr- we press most of our vinyl either in the US or in Europe and ship it to wherever it needs to go. That's become a very problematic part of the business at the moment. Um, and then other than that, most retail isn't open. Um, so it's very difficult to sell retail. So um, we're... I think a lot of people have been pivoting to a model similar to this for a while now, but like really where we're going to end up or at least probably be in for the next few months and potentially for, for, for a long time is um, it's really just digital and e-commerce. Um, you know, we invested in e-commerce many, many years ago with launching 2400. Um, we were the first, uh, one of the first, you know, e-commerce platforms in Australia to be ARIA accredited. Um, and, you know, that's something that I've always been really passionate about predicting a time when people are only going to be able to buy stuff from going to a website. So um, that having that business right now has been very beneficial to our overall business um, because it's still open business as usual and people are buying more merchandise uh, than I've ever seen before. That's amazing. So has that gone up during COVID, merchandising? Yes. Not... Uh, obviously not touring, you know, that's been hit. Well, that's just disappeared, Mm. but online merch sales is, um, I wouldn't say like through the roof, but it's increased. Um, you know, there was always that there was a debate 
and the debate will probably continue depending how long this goes on and if unemployment continues to rise. But there's always that debate of what, what, when, what about when people run out of money? But for every person you know that's unemployed, you know just, you know, probably two or three that are employed. And um, I guess I already mentioned that I'm not getting paid, but obviously I have savings in order to be able to do that. But like, we're all saving so much money, like not going to restaurants, not going away for the weekend, not, I don't know, all this sort of stuff. So I think people are online buying things that they're, that they're passionate about. And if you're passionate about violent Soho or the Amity affliction, then you're definitely making sure you're across their next merch drop. Um, and our print, uh, print facility, uh, super special in, uh, in Melbourne, um, that's open and printing as usual where we're running a skeleton staff to, uh, account for social distancing and all that kind of stuff. So we're moving slower than, than usual, but we're, we're printing shirts and, and hoodies and all that stuff every single day. You mentioned Violent Soho. I want to ask you about their record post March 13th. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was in, it was in the thick of it, yeah. How did you change your marketing strategy or your expectations of the success of that record um, on the lead up to that release? Well, I, I can't speak too much to it as... Um, someone that's not too involved in the day-to-day of that band, but uh, Nick Yates uh, and his team in our Sydney office um, alongside Johan and and Blaze and everyone at IOU obviously pivoted very quickly to be able to make that album, uh, the album that it became, obviously being a number one Australian album during COVID is a huge achievement. Um, But yeah, you know, they went, obviously went very digital, you know, like for example, the night the record came out, they, they hosted a, a listening party, which, um, you know, kind of almost reflected like an old sort of TV esque show, like, you know, an old, like not quite Danos direct, but it was like, you know, selling, selling a product, you know, in front of like a, a TV audience. Um, but yeah, uh, they've also, they've been capitalizing on the fact that a lot of billboards are quite, uh, well-priced at the moment. Um, yes. If you go on their social media, you'll be able to see that there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, their billboards around town. Uh, they also partnered with Spotify to do some great promotions, which put a, a billboard in Mansfield in Queensland, which is their hometown. Um, so yeah, look, without going into, without going into too much detail, like the, they basically just moved to very, very digital, which, you know, as you and I were discussing when we caught up the other day, like, um, you know, there's that old saying, you know, the obstacle is the way, um, being that, you know, we were kind of heading in this direction anyway. Uh, and maybe for various reasons, um, whether it's legacy or whether it's some element of romance around, um, certain types of marketing. But I think that ultimately this is forcing us to, to go where everything was heading anyway, which was, which is digital. Um, and almost getting to the point where I think we, we should have been there already, but the point where that word isn't even a thing where it's just marketing, not digital marketing. And obviously there's flooding digital media now with, um, like you mentioned, the listening party violence Soho did, live performances. There's just so much content of bands living online, connecting with their fans, which is really smart and absolutely what all these bands should be doing. Um, do you have a concern that potentially though this is now just giving Zuckerberg and Google and all these people a lot more leverage and a lot more value to their companies without giving anything in return? Uh, I think like that's one way of looking at it, obviously. Um, 
I think that those sorts of ideas and those attitudes have been existent for a long time. Um, I think that, you know, companies like YouTube have, have moved very quickly to support some really great initiatives online. Um, as far as video premiering and stay at home and all that sort of stuff. I think that you know, we've, we've had a, a number of really successful campaigns across fans, joy, ocean alley, Tash Sultana, uh, with incredible support. So I definitely see where you, what you mean by that. But I think if we were concerned, if we're concerned about that now, we should have been concerned about that before. Um, I think that's slightly the nature of the beast. I think the really interesting conversation is where does this all end up as far as, um, uh, like depending how long this goes on and almost regardless of how long this goes on, I think people are starting to realize that staying at home can actually be quite fun. <laughs> so like, you know, I'm going to play Scrabble with my mum and dad tomorrow night. Um, is that how the, uh, the CEO of the biggest independent, you know, label outside of the big four spends his ISO? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. Thursday night. That Scrabble. is rock and roll. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that like, like we saw what the untitled group team did on the weekend, you know, they reached 500,000 people doing a virtual dance party, you know, like there's some really interesting things that are coming here. Um, we're going to be doing a, uh, one of our American clients dashboard confessional. We're about to start releasing a series of, uh, of his albums on vinyl. Uh, we're going to do ticketed live events, uh, with a ticketing goes to street that goes to charity. But once you're inside the stream, you're going to be able to buy uh, exclusive product, uh, exclusive vinyl, exclusive T-shirts. So there's some really interesting things that are going to evolve. And I think maybe, obviously, a lot of people, me included, are going to be very excited to go out. You know, I can't wait to go to Splendor and to go to the Corner Hotel and, and even just go to the pub and have dinner. But there is an element of like, I think a bunch of things that happen and that we experiment with over this time are going to stick around. Uh, and I think we're going to, we're challenged right now by not being able to ticket an event in the real world. But I think if we, if we can figure out how to ticket it digitally and create that experience, and maybe it's about working with brands or whether it's working with, you know, whatever it is, I think that there's some huge opportunities that are going to come from this. And let's talk more about those opportunities after the break. We'll be right back. Rolling Stone has just launched in Australia and you can have the magazine delivered to your doorstep. A Rolling Stone subscription supports long-form music journalism and empowers our team to go deeper in every story they write. So, to experience the art and journalism in your hands, go to au.rollingstone.com and subscribe. Jadon, before we go into the, your plans for the future and how you're seeing the music industry change, and we touched on that before the break, I want to ask you what your biggest concern is right now and where you think the biggest risk is for the music industry. Uh, well, obviously, like, we're, we're here to talk about business. Um, but, you know, the, the, the biggest concern is just for the world. You know, um, you know, I still live in New York City and, and you know, they're, they're losing, you know, upwards of a 1,000 people a day to this, which is a really horrible thing. Um, so I think we can't really... I find it hard to be too optimistic without at least acknowledging that situation. So obviously I send out a lot of good thoughts and energy to, to the world to heal as fast as possible. But I guess for our industry, like, you know, we, it was kind of frightening to see just how quickly so many people were, I guess, 
knocked, you know, knocked, knocked on their ass ultimately, especially coming out of all the fundraising that was done for the bushfires. Um, and I'm, I know this, this has been discussed before, but like, you know, the crew and, and, and the artists and the venues and everyone, um, would put all this work into raising all this money for bushfire relief thinking, Oh, this is going to, this is great. We're doing our part. And then we can go and tour for the rest of the year and because things will just be normal again. Right. Um, and who would have thought this would happen? So, you know, it's horrible to, to, to see, um, you know, I've, I, I believe I've worked incredibly hard, um, to get myself into the position that I'm in. Um, and I want to be able to help as much as possible. But, you know, for me at this time, you know, as a person that employs, you know, 60 odd people, I kind of immediately had to look at my own business as my version of charity, if that makes sense. Well, um, you, you've got to, and con- we, like I said, we did make some yeah, changes. You've got to continue to support the staff you're employing. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we, we did, we did, um, in some of some parts of our business, we did make some redundancies, uh, very minimal, but we did, um, and that was a really hard thing to do. But like I mentioned, um, I immediately stopped paying myself. I set, tried to set the business up to be as strong as possible for as long as possible and put ourselves in a position where we just didn't, weren't spending money that we couldn't justify spending because, you know, some people are talking about, oh yeah, we'll be, we'll be back doing gigs in September and October and maybe we will be. And obviously I hope that we are, but in uncertain times, we need to be very, very careful, especially yeah, you know, same as you. We're we're both independent operators. Um, not to say it's too different for the corporates, but they do have access to different types of funding uh, than just you know normal people that you know are, are literally dipping into their bank account. Um, but yeah, I guess I like applaud what Support Act is doing. Um, I also applaud what you know. It's a lot of really intelligent behind the scenes um, work being done by key people in our industry. Um, especially engaging with government to sort of talk about, um, you know, I think one thing that's could work in our favor, but sometimes doesn't is obviously Australia is so mad for sport uh, and being from Melbourne, you know, the MCG, which is, you know, 15 minute walk from my house, you know, they put 80,000 people in there nearly every week with, you know, blink of an eye. People are going to want that to come back as soon as possible. We need to make sure that music isn't left, left, um, out in the cold, because if there's 80,000 people watching, you know, Collingwood Carlton, there should be 750 people at the corner hotel. So I know there's some really, really smart people, um, behind the scenes working on that. So, um, that's, sorry, can I, can I just unpack um, that? How, how can we be left behind? What would be different, which would, which would not allow 750 people to go to the corner and 80,000 at Collingwood like it was before? Oh, I think that if we talk about staged, you know, openings of things, it's just making sure we're part of the conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. as an industry, I think that we've been getting better and better at engaging government. Uh, I think the people representing our industry are getting more and more, um, you know, better relationships and uh, just more of a voice. We see it every, every election There's more, of a policy around music that is sort of trying to bring voters on board. So I just, just saying that we're engaging government to ensure that people are um, to, to, to ensure they're understanding the impact that this has had on our industry. Um, and I think, you know, once the job keeper thing gets finalized, they'll probably look at it and say, wow, there's a lot of people from that industry sitting on this job keeper program. So I just, I'm just applauding the people behind the scenes that are, that are doing the work to lobby government to educate them on just how important our industry is. 
And in terms of your own financial forecasting and budgeting, have you had an attempt at redoing everything or are you still sort of seeing how it all unfolds? No, we've done a number of, you know, reef reforecasts. Like we did the, you know, immediately we, um, you know, you sort of, uh, respond as far as like, you know, as you said, as I said at the start, you know, put on the oxygen mask, you know, a fix, just make sure everything's going to be okay, at least for the immediate future. Uh, and now it's just about scenario planning. Um, and having scenario A, B, C, D, E, and, and so on and so on, because we don't know how long this will go. Um, and, you know, it's optimism is great, but it's also can be quite dangerous. So optimism plus confronting the brutal facts uh, is what's going to allow us to, to prevail in the end. But if we don't confront the brutal fact, which is uncertainty, um, we just won't get there in the, in the, in the most meaningful way. So yeah, I'm just, like I said, scenario A, B, C, D, E, and, and these all include, you know, gigs returning in September, returning in December, returning in February, returning in July. We've also got the international aspect to consider with our staff in LA. Um, a lot of our Australian clients have large international businesses. Um, but you know, we believe our borders will be shut for, for a period of time. So yeah, there's just many, many things to consider. When gigs come back, they're going to certainly favour domestic artists because it's very unlikely, at least initially, international artists will be able to come out to Australia with travel bans. Have you factored that into your forecasting? Do you think you're going to be at a huge commercial advantage when that happens? Um, well, I think the fact is that, yeah, it's going to favour Australian artists because I think that they're going to be the only ones here. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we announced that Unify... Um, is going to be an all Australian lineup in January, 2021. Um, that was something that we were passionate about doing um, as far as supporting the industry, you know, the local, just local everything. Um, but as we, as we workshop the idea, it was pretty obvious that, that was probably our only choice. Um, but the idea was born out of a genuine passion for doing something for the scene. And, you know, as the response has been from the audience, you know, the Australian heavy music scene is one of the best in the world. Um, so it was kind of a no brainer. Um, but yeah, I think next year could be a really, really great year of Australian touring. Um, we've got some huge acts that have just dropped albums or are just about to, you know, Ocean Alley's about to drop an album. Um, you know, Illy is, is close. Vance Joy's working on an album, you know, like there's, there's so much, so much talent that's going to put out product and not be able to tour it. And so when people, like imagine when people get to see Violence O play on this new album, it's going to be crazy. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited um, for when we can, and I, we all are obviously, but I think that, yeah, there could be a really special, could, I think Australian music has been, has been buzzing for a long time, but this could just take it all to a whole new level, I think, as far as people really appreciating just how quality Australian music is. So what do you think a post-COVID-19 music industry look like? What do you think will be the fundamental changes we will see in the new world? Well, I think like there'll be, it's not just going to go back to normal, obviously. And, you know, if you want predictions on this, you're better off watching, maybe not watching the news, but, you know, like talking to someone that's not like a music guy, but it'll take time. The capacities will be small and they'll open up and, uh, 
over time. But I think more than anything, I think we're just going to maybe one thing I'm really looking forward to is seeing us work together more. Uh, I think the Australian industry compared to others is already quite collaborative, but I do think that it's going to be really important that everyone is really pulling in the same direction, agent, manager, promoter, label, artist. Um, that's, that's sort of number one. Um, I think that people are going to really value their, value their time, I think, and their mental health a lot more than they did because like, as, 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 as much as this isn't easy, um, working at home and, and sort of like it's a lot of the stresses that we used to have are kind of gone. Um, a lot of the bullshit that we used to put up with isn't here at the moment. It's kind of all, it's all morphed into other sort of areas. But I think that I've been enjoying this time to have some really, have some really honest conversations with people. Um, and not to the, not to be rude or, or to talk down to people, but just rather than maybe putting up with certain people's behavior in the past, it's more, um, Hey, we're all in this together. Like you might be having a bad day, but everyone on planet earth is having a bad day today. So I feel like empathy levels are rising and all these sorts of things are, are transforming, not just the music industry, but the whole planet. Um, and I think that, yeah, I just think we could be in a place on the other side of this where things not necessarily are going to be easier, but I just think that we'll, we're going to, we're going to value our time a lot more. Talking to John Watson a few episodes back, he was talking about how this crisis might actually weed out people that are genuinely passionate about music versus people that are just here because it's kind of cool. Um, and we look at the last, you could argue, 30 years of prosperity um, where things have been really, really good for a long time. And, you know, there was that really hard time in the music industry. I think when I started maybe 12 years ago where, you know, illegal downloads were killing all the revenue and all of that. Um, And the only people working in the music industry at that time were people that absolutely loved it because the money was really shit um, and the opportunities were very scarce. And so a lot of people ended up working for free just to get their foot in the door. Um, But you know, we've been very blessed with a huge growth in the music industry and that has provided a lot of job opportunities and a lot of high income opportunities. Um, but I think what that's bred is a lot of complacency and a lot of um, potential entitlement. Well, like maybe the people are there because it's kind of cool and they kind of like it and there's good money, um, but it doesn't have the absolute filtering out of do you absolutely love music yes or no like we used to have do you think this COVID environment is going to bring that back in that the people that will work in the music industry will now only be the people that absolutely love music or do you see it eventually just going back to how it was Uh, I think every industry is going to be affected by this Um, you know industries that are booming right now are are cutting staff uh, and using as an opportunity to to find and uh, to find efficiencies and, and cost savings. I think the industry, it's an interesting perspective, but you know, there's, there's a lot of people in the industry that love it, but can't really figure out a way to make much money out of it. So that's kind of like the, the quandary flipped on its head. And that's also where it's going to get challenging because if you can't afford to do your job or if your business can't afford to make enough money to exist, Unfortunately, the option might be that the business just can't exist. Um, it, it, it's, 
there's a big difference between a hobby and a, and a full-time uh, job, but 100%, like this is, this job is not easy. Uh, it never was, it never will be um, pre or post COVID. But I think that, yeah, people are going to need to work really hard uh, and bring a lot of value. I think um, now more than ever, if they want to, if they want to be in this industry. Yes. It's funny. I was talking to Millie in my office today um, and there might be a quirky opportunity here where, like you said, there's not many people spending, so no one can go out, no one can do anything. And if you've just lost your job and you're on the $750 a week, um, given you don't have any high expenses like rent and you might you might be young enough to be living at home, still on your $750 a week or your rent is paused. So you don't have many expenses, you've got this money coming in and really this is a prime opportunity for people to start a management career because it's them, their laptop, Skypes with artists and they can take bets on artists that aren't making money at the moment and try to grow their careers while this whole pandemic is happening. And so I'm thinking we might actually see some really talented managers come out of this whole crisis that otherwise wouldn't have been able to have a go at it because they were too distracted with their job or they they didn't want to put the time into this artist who wasn't going to make money for two years. Um, I know that's how I started as a manager. I was still living at home. I had nothing better to do with my life than just to you know, talk shit with bands and try and work out how we can get a little bit of money here and there and grow the record and all of that. Um, and I could do that because I had the freedom of being very young with no responsibility, no liabilities um, and time on my side. And and maybe that's what could be happening now to all of these aspiring managers around the country. Yeah, well said, 100%. There is definitely like there's a huge amount of government support right now. Um that is giving businesses and individuals opportunities that they didn't have before. So that is a very good way of looking at it. Um, yeah. And I don't know, for some reason, like the idea of Detroit came to mind, um, you know, the cities like Detroit where um, not so much now, but you know, 10 years ago, really distressed city where it was like so cheap to live there. A lot of creativity is born out of places like that. Um, so this idea that, yeah, we've got nothing to lose, let's give it a go. And I was also going to laugh too because I said to Rach, my wife, the other day or probably a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, this is great. We've got so much more time. We could start a new business. <laughs> and Rach is like, do you really need a new business? I think you've got enough. Um, but, you know, that's that entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, if I know Rach, that definitely would have been her response. Like, come on, mate, <laughs> put your head in. you <laughs> <laughs> Pull your head in. Um, but the, uh, yeah, the entrepreneurial mindset kicks in when you need to survive. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I, I love that perspective as well. I think we're going to, we're going to see a lot of great things come out of this. No doubt. Jaden, thank you so much for your time today. Um, can you please leave us with what the next three years at Unified looks like considering all the variables we know and yes, obviously who knows what next week's going to be like, but what do you think the next three years at Unified will see and how are you planning for it? Yeah, so obviously there's some interruption right now, but outside of that, um, it's mostly business as usual. You know, we are building a global independent music company uh, that invests in careers, um, both inside the company as in staff and, and, and artists. Uh, and we're just going to continue to do that, continue to find ways to be the best we can be, uh, provide the best services we can, 
um, and innovate. Uh, we're not trying to be the biggest or the best. We're not trying to be number one or market leaders or anything like that. We're just trying to just trying to be good people that give a shit about artists, give a shit about staff, and give a shit about the community, the wider world, the environment, um, and just trying our best to exist within this incredible industry. It's such a gift that we've been given to be able to work in music. Um, make friends with people that are passionate about the same things as you and just continue to build that business. Um, inevitably the business will probably get bigger and, um, and operate in more places, but ultimately, yeah, it's business as usual. Uh, and I'm, you know, never be more excited, you know, three years time, I'll be almost 40 and, um, you know, it feels to me like that's a pretty good age to, uh, you know, just to still be well and truly in the, in the midst of my career and I can't see myself slowing down anytime soon. Jaden, thank you so much. Uh, I think we all as a music industry hope you're right. We share your optimism. We really think that there should never be a crisis wasted. And I think that's what that's what everybody I'm talking to seems to be saying. It's like, where is the opportunity here? How can we actually end up better than we, what, we, what we were? And there's not a bigger audit than a crisis on your business, on your industry. And so I think we're going to cut out a lot of fat and we're going to come out of it together as an industry much stronger. Jaden, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Luke.